You're listening to the Cartoonerific Podcast, Classic Animated Cartoons, with your host, Brian Mitchell. Welcome to Cartoon Fun, it's Cartoonerific, yeah! Well, welcome to the Cartoonerific Podcast, Classic Animated Cartoons. I am Brian Mitchell, and I am your host. In the animation world, you have all these varied talents. You have directors, you have sequence directors, you got storyboard artists, you got writers, uh, you have uh, animators. And everybody has their specialty. I mean, there are people that can do just about anything. Uh, they can work on the dramatic scenes. They can work on action scenes. They can work on pathos scenes where you get the emotion into the character. They're emoting and they're making the character come alive and touching you somehow. So that's that's a, a fantastic talent. But then you have animators that are just really good at funny. And, I mean, you have animators that can do whimsy which is lighthearted action. But then you have other animators and directors and writers that just write, direct, or animate funny. Now, going back in history, the one that comes to mind that was the, one of the funniest animation directors was Tex Avery. And Tex Avery not only wrote the stuff, but he could storyboard it and he could pretty much design it and then hand it to the animator and tell the animator how he wanted it. Cause he had that whole vision in his head of how he wanted that cartoon to play to be funny. And he made some brilliant cartoons. He made some excellent cartoons. There were other directors that kind of followed, uh, after what tech set in motion and people like Bob Clampett who did wonderfully funny cartoons at Warner brothers uh, Chuck Jones, who eventually, I mean, he started uh, kind of aping Disney and doing uh, more dramatic uh, action, more cutesy. Uh, and then uh, where he, when he saw where the other Warner Brothers, Brothers directors were going, uh, he kind of followed in suit. And he found his own way. And he made films that were clever and they were uh, laugh-out-loud funny. But he did it in his own way. He did it in a different way than uh, what Tex Avery would do or Bob Clampett. So uh, Ward Kimball at Disney did funny cartoons. Uh, Hanna-Barbera did some very, very funny Tom and Jerry's. Um, but anyway, uh, Jay Ward and Bill Scott doing Rocky and Bullwinkles. And then after that, doing George in the Jungle and... You know, all those Captain Crunch commercials, which are certainly funny. Uh, they just loved doing stuff that uh, had funny drawings and funny actions and funny dialogue and and uh, uh, comic acting. I really loved it. 
So I guess my point is, is, you know, everybody has their specialty, but it takes a special person to think funny and write funny and direct funny and draw funny. It's a special talent. Anyway, on today's show, we have one of those people. And he is funny. He is a funny guy. He's been in the business for a long time now. He's worked on a lot of different shows. He's created, produced, directed. Some of your favorites like Eek the Cat and Toon Sylvania, Mad Jack, Schnookums and Meat, Tom and Jerry movies. He's not only a writer, but he's a director, animator, voice actor. His name is Bill Cop, and he's up next. Should be fun. Don't go away. Cartoonerific is the place to be to celebrate hand-drawn animated cartoons. The Cartoonerific podcast features interviews with the magic makers behind your favorite animated cartoons with episodes uploaded every Friday. Or visit the Cartoonerific blog featuring articles about classic cartoon animation. At the Cartoonerific Gallery, view original animation art and memorabilia from your favorite animated films and TV shows. The company store features exclusive swag from the Cartoonerific universe. And coming soon, brand new world premiere cartoons on the Cartoonerific channel. It's all here. Join the fun at www.cartoonerific.com. That's cartoon, E-R-I-F-I-C.com. It's Cartoonerific. Saving the universe one funny cartoon at a time. And now it's time for our special Cartoonerific guest. Well, this gentleman has worked on a ton of shows. He's created, he's produced, he's directed, he's even a voice actor. Does a lot of different things, but he was involved with uh, Toonsylvania, Mad Jack, Schnookums Meat, Funny Cartoon Show with Pith Possum and Tex Tinstar. He's uh, written uh, and directed the Tom and Jerry movies. He is a all-around talent, and we're glad to have him here today. Uh, please welcome writer, director, voice actor, and a master of funny cartoons. Here is Mr. Bill Cop. Thanks, Bill, for coming on the show. Well, it's great. It's great, Brian. Thanks for asking me. <laughs> So, uh, Bill, tell me tell me a little bit about your uh, childhood. How'd you get into the wild and wacky world of animation? Um, I'd have to blame it on, well, you know, probably Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that was the first um, early cartoons I saw, and, and Warner Brothers, the old Looney Tunes. But I was more of a um, horror movie fan. Oh. And I, I, I drew mainly. I started making films when I was about 10. My dad gave me a, a little uh, regular eight camera. Regular eight. Yeah, it was like okay. a what do they call them? Like the Kodak. It had the flip up viewfinder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the eight millimeters, the old eight millimeter. Was and, it at the um, cassette or was it like the reel that you had? No, no, it was like right. re a reel to reel. You had to yeah, load it, wind yeah. it up. You had to wind it up. Did wow, you have to I'm sounding really old? You had to thread that in the dark, right? Didn't you have to go into a dark room and thread it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, or the bag, you had the black bag thing. Yikes. Wow. But then the regular Super 8 came out and it was in a cassette. It was much easier. Much easier. Snap and the horror movies, like the classics, like, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon and all the all the Corman stuff. I was really into that. And um, did you watch any of the Universal Monster movies? Well, that's up? what I mean. Yeah, the classics. Those Creature, the Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, greatest horror movie yet. And right. As far as Gothic goes. 
Um, and then uh, I started really drawing and painting. And um, that's what I wanted to do by the time I was getting out of high school. Mm-hmm. So I went to Cal Arts as a painter. but And then I met all these animators who were having way much more fun right. than, than the painters. So I switched my major <laughs> and um, got into animation. I know there's a few and people also, have done Bruno that. Bruno Bazzano was a big influence on me in later years. Oh, okay. Did you see Allegro non tropo? Is that? Is oh, that... yeah. But I was into his shorts. Right. Um, mostly like opera. And um, he made a whole bunch of them that were really like social commentary, very sarcastic, very funny. Right. But of course, Allegro was like awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing that. And then Pink Floyd the Wall, Gerald Scarf stuff. Right. That was a big, that was when I, I really, that film came out, I think the, in 80. So I had seen it and then I changed my major in 81 and I was just eating that up. I just thought that was so scary and cool. Right. The films I did at Cal Arts did pretty well as far as the awards go and um, got mm-hmm. a little attention. And then Savage Steve Holland started making Better Off Dead. So I was actually finishing my last film at CalArts Observational Hazard when I started working on uh, Better Off Dead. How'd, how'd you get that gig? Better Off Dead? Yeah. Did you know Savage Steve? or We were like best friends in, at CalArts. Oh, wow. He graduated a year ahead of me. Okay. And he went off and got started. And um, Is he still known as Savage? Because I, I believe yeah. I saw his name on uh, the Big, what is it, the Big Bang Theory? We haven't spoken in a while. I haven't seen him in a long time. Oh, I, I um, thought I saw his credit on there, but it, it, minus the Savage. Yeah, I think he still has the Savage. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That was the thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm but, wrong. Uh, yeah, so then we got we started doing that, and then he finished that and sold One Crazy Summer, and then we went right to work on that. So now that was shot, you said it was shot in Nantucket. Yeah, um, we and here. that's that's about a cartoonist. It's uh, about a young cartoonist, and it's uh, a John yeah. Cusack. Yeah, and I guess uh, the first movie, Ben After Eddie, was also a cartoonist. Although that wasn't a big featured part of the story, but mm-hmm. he did have a he was he was a cartoonist. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, maybe that's why I liked it. <laughs> Plus, <laughs> yeah. it was funny. There were funny things, and the animation yeah, was, was weird. Really cool. It's fun. It's great. It's a, they're both like cult hit favorites. You know, people love it. The animation in One Crazy Summer, we went crazy on that. So that, that was all, that was all frame, one frame, single frame animation, and all of it. That's why it looks so smooth. Wow. What, what was there a decent budget for it? I would imagine. Yeah, we had a well. You know, we had a crew of like four. I think there were three main animators. Were the same guys that went to do The Simpsons right after that. Right. Wes and David and I, and then we had Jeff Myers and Tim Bjorkland helping out. Mm-hmm. So we had like a, a crew of like six animators, and then we had background painters and um, mm-hmm. people, people to help on the camera. So we it was everybody got paid well. Well, that's you know, good. It was a good gig, right? So were those movies back to back that you're working on the animation, or there was? Yeah. I'm sure. Really? Oh yeah. I, in fact, I don't even think there was a real break at all. I, I mean, Better Off Dead came out, and it was like right on the heels of that. We got to work on the pre-production for One Crazy Summer. Wow, wow. I, I'm, I mean, it's it's amazing to me because normally in the industry, like now, or even like at that time, there you know there were breaks between between projects. 
and especially a feature film like that. And a lot of times people would just be let go and they just say, yeah, we'll call you when we're, we're back up and running again. But yeah, it sounds yeah, These were, I mean, there may have been like, a honestly, as I remember, there was like maybe a month or two where we had a little break and then we just started working on the ideas, you know, my, it was pre-production, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I mean, it, pretty much the same crew, you know, I mean, it was me and Wes on better off dead. Now anyway, mostly me. <laughs> Wes, now, Wes who? Wes Archer. Oh, Wes Archer. And then yeah. the other one was Silverman? Silverman I brought in. I met him at when my a film of mine won an award at the Focus Festival. And his had won a previous year, I think. Wow. And we just hit it off. We were, became really good friends. And um, so I sucked him into one crazy summer. <laughs> and that was super fun. Right. So where'd that lead to when you were done with that? Where'd you go from there? Well, for the first time in our long two year long career, <laughs> we found ourselves out of work. <laughs> we were like, what do you do? Cause we were not like polished studio guys. You know, I don't think any of us had an agent or anything at that time. Right. And, um, uh, Wes called me up and, said that he's been talking to this guy, Gabor Chupo, and they want to do these short cartoons. Actually, now that I think about it, I did pick up a short gig when Fox first started. I was making little tiny 30, 40 second bumpers for the the thing they called the late show. Right. And they were like late show tunes. They were kind of like the Han Wilson come to life sort of things. They're all a little morbid. Mm-hmm. So I had done a bunch of those. I don't even know where those are. There's a few on my reel, but there were, I did like 30 of them. Right. And then, um, and then Wes called me up and he's like, we got to go meet this Gabor guy. And Gabor, uh, said that he was going to be working with Matt Groening and we loved Matt from this, from life in hell. Mm -hmm. And that was from LA weekly, right? The, it was in the reader. I think that's how far back this goes. Okay. It did. I think it wound up in the LA weekly Right. right around there, but okay. And then we just started working on this little idea called The Simpsons, you know? Mm-hmm. It's too bad it never went anywhere. Right. You know? <laughs> That's a joke. I know it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know? <laughs> waiting for the other joke. <laughs> yeah. No, so. that's the one joke. That's it right there. <laughs> that's but, it. Uh, that's it for the interview. It yeah. was just, you know, it was another, because both Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer were just, I mean, nonstop work like every day yeah and it was the same with that you know it was but we didn't care we were like i was like how old was i then like maybe 23 20 24 maybe right right now were you from california or where are you from no i'm from seattle oh okay yeah so you you went from seattle down to cal arts you went to cal arts and then you came out and you were working on this stuff Right to work, yeah. And, and then uh, a little bit of a lull, then you're working on a little bit of Simpsons stuff that didn't go anywhere. And, yeah, uh, that didn't, that show, uh, it's too bad it didn't catch on. Right, yeah, um, yeah. And well, then I maybe, maybe they'll revive it sometime, you know. <laughs> and then I went to Disney kind of right in the middle, right when that thing was starting to take off into, uh, uh, well, I guess we were, I'd started with the, I think we were doing the second season of the shorts, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, it was somewhere in there where I got a, a, an off opportunity to go work on the Roger Rabbit shorts at Disney. Oh, that's pretty cool. Did you have yeah. to go to Florida for that, or you did it for an... No, I went to Florida later on. Right. During that stint, but later on. Later on. They, the they forced it down like, there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was weird. Yeah. Um, 
but it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot about storytelling at Disney. Plus, I was there with a lot of my Cal Arts friends that I, I knew really well. Right. You know, mm. like Gary, Gary Trousdale, Kirk Wise, right. Chris Sanders, the, Kelly, the list goes on. Yes. And, um, but that was like where I, you know, we didn't write anything on, on, in a script form. It was mm-hmm. all done with drawings, but it was just that taught me a little bit more about timing and, and basic storytelling. Right. Gag, gag construction. Um, sure. And uh, great people there. And, um, and that, but I think if I had not done that, I, I don't think I would have turned into a writer and, and, learning how to tell stories and write right obviously help selling like eat the cat and magic the pirate and snick of the meat and right the subsequent uh shows that i got to do wasn't uh, uh, right. pat ventura was working on them too wasn't he on yeah well, pat and i were also really good friends from from uh cal arts yeah and uh yeah he was really funny man he's still around i don't know what he's working on if anything anymore but he was great i know he was going pretty strong for a while he was doing like his own shorts over at uh yeah and he has a very distinct style yeah so we kind of melded into the tales from the crypt thing i always thought that i was um that my draftsmanship was a little bizarre well that's which is okay for stuff like that no that's that's great that's great. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it forces you to be unique. But Pat just his he was so slick and his stuff was so clear. Right. And we were plus we and we were really good friends. Sure. So when the tales from the crypt thing rolled around, uh, I was like, well, this is perfect for for Pat, you know, to join <laughs> to join forces with Pat on that. Well, that came that came back that came in the nineties, right? You, you yeah, still- I took a break. Well, I worked on Tasmania. I, I left Disney and then I went to work at, um, well, there was, I did some really bad music videos for a year or two or a year or something. <laughs> Anything notable that, no, uh, <laughs> aside so, from the fact that they all had a little bit of animation in them. Oh, okay. And, uh, but that was a crazy world. And, um, and mm-hmm. then I got into, um, I got up, picked up with Warner brothers to go work on Tasmania and they wanted me to, to direct, but I wanted to write. Right. Because I was getting all warmed up there. Mm-hmm. So that's how that happened. And then. How did Schnookums and Me come about? And well, Tex 10 Star and all that wonderful okay, here's, stuff. I'm trying to get the the train, the, the timeline right. So. <laughs> it's hard. Uh, yeah, okay, so whenever Tasmania yeah. happened. Okay. So that, that, that happened. Right. And then I went to. So that had to be like 1990 or something. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Somewhere around there, ninety one. Yeah. Then I went to, um, I got hooked up back with Savage Steve, and we sold Eek the Cat. Now you were the voice of Eek the Cat. That's right. I was the voice of the Pussy Cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because no real actors would do it. Really? We tried to get like Gene Wilder and all kinds of people. Oh wow. Nobody knew who we were, and they were just like, you know, <laughs> it, like, it got down to we need somebody. So I used to always do that voice when we would pitch stories, right? Yeah, because um, well, this is gonna sound kind of weird, but in our family where I grew up, we had a lot of animals, and all of them had different voices, so they could talk to you. And I had this one cat called Chauncey, and this was his voice. So, <laughs> so and he used that voice, 
Right. So it just stuck. And and um, everybody got so used to hearing it in these meetings mm-hmm. that just they're like, you, you're just do it. You know, I was, I was happy to. It was fun. Yeah, sure. Well, so it we, was. We had on a couple of guests, uh, like, uh, oh, gee, Jerry Reese was on. We had. Uh, oh, yeah. Ky- Kyle Carosa was on here. And, uh, oh, Kyle's great. Yeah. And we were, no, we were just talking about uh, voices. And it's just like these these animators just go off. It's like their own uh, voice talent uh, well, train, you know? They're all, you know, they could all probably step in and do the voice. And yeah, sometimes they I get think, to do them, you know? Sometimes well, they do. You, you know, because the animator is really an actor. And then you've got, you know, a, a sort of built in sense of timing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, obviously animation timing. Right. So that lends itself to, you know, doing a voice and acting. Plus, we all watch so many great cartoons. You kind of get used to, oh, that's that's the rhythm, you know. Exactly. And um, so, yeah. But then it was about, well, Eek was on the air for like five years, but I I kind of left the show at, uh, after the second season. Oh. And this is how weird, this is how much things have changed. I got a call from Disney from... Um, a couple of guys over there, like Chrysler and Gary Chrysler. Gary Chrysler, right? And um, God, wow, I'm really old. <laughs> well, we're about. Uh, hey, anyway, look, we're, we're the same age, uh, roughly. I think we're we're only separated by four months, so yeah, we're getting to be old geezers. Yeah, you don't have as much brain damage as I do. Oh, um, I don't know about that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so Disney called me up and took me out to lunch, and they were like, "Wow, we really like." Obviously, the Simpsons they liked and but they they really liked eek right and they were like you know are you available to come over and 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 do a show and i was like well with disney what are you talking about what what do you mean come over and do a show like come over and do whatever you want right i'm like really like whatever i want they're like whatever you want just be funny i'm not kidding this is how it went yeah so i didn't pitch him anything and i was like if you're gonna really let me do that. Then I will absolutely come. Wow. And, um, well, you that's, know, that's a I neat one. Up a few people. Uh, yeah. Well, even when we sold Eek, I made people at Warner Brothers mad because I had to leave uh, Tasmania for that. Right. But um, Well, somebody's always going to get angry. I, I mean, I have, I, there, there are producers out there that are still angry at me for, for leaving. And, <laughs> uh, and they, I've tried to get them on the show and they don't want to come on. Oh. And that's that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say who they are, but they're <laughs> they're all pissed off at me because I left. Well, I always thought it was funny when people would get mad. Like I honestly thought when I went into Warner Brothers that, that I had sold a show that they would be a lot, really happy for me. Yeah, and they were not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I did it anyway. Yeah, um, and then oh, well. so yeah, so that was really the offer from Disney. They were just like, come in and do whatever you want. And, you know, we started with the cat and dog thing just because it's such an obvious target. Right. But, but Piff and and Tex were sort of already in my head. Yes. They're great. Yeah. They're great, by the way. Very funny, funny cartoons. Yeah. Wait, yeah. I think they're funnier than Strickland's Meat. I mean, Strickland's Meat had some great cartoons in them. But yeah. The other ones were more personal and more suited to my personal style, I the storytelling and whatever, making fun of things. Yeah. Yeah. So we did a couple of shorts. I guess they went on the Marsupilami show and mm-hmm. then they were like, okay, well let's go ahead with the half hour. And I'm like, well, let's 
I had the only time we ever had not even really a fight, but where I had to press for something was to make it a three part show because I just, I loved Rocky and Bowling and I love that broken up structure. Sure. So they were um, hesitant, but I threw some drawings at them and I was like, oh, this is going to make fun of superheroes. And actually, the before Tex, I had pitched this thing called um, Guy Guy and the Space Vigilantes. <laughs> And then I got a call from John Chris Felucci who said, look, I'm doing a space thing. Right. Because we, we worked with a lot of the same people, Mike Fontanelli. And oh, sure. Sure. And uh, he was like, would you please change it into some – because he knew what I was doing. He knew it was like a serial. Right. And there's only – you know, what, what do you have with serials? You got space, westerns, and then gangsters. That's pretty much – spies, Right. Right. So I was like, no, I can throw this into a Western. It was like, no, nothing really changed. It would have been the same, you know, base, basic cast and just put them in a Western. So I was like, but I thought that was funny because um, mm-hmm. he was really like, not upset about it, but he was like, you know, I'm trying to sell a space thing. I can't have another space thing out there. It's, uh, you know? Right, right. So Well, was, you know, uh, that's kind of a diplomatic way of going about it. You know, well, and honestly, I never thought for it really, it didn't even bother me. I was like, well, yeah, you make it a Western, you know, it's basically the same. I'm making fun of the exact same story structure and, and right. You just the setting is just different. Yeah, I just changed the background. As yeah. Well. So, uh, but God, those were fun. And I wrote all those, you know, I got used to writing like that from mm-hmm. I we had a bunch of writers on Tasmania and then Savage and I wrote everything on Eek. Right. Just the two of us. Wow. And so on Sugars and Meat, it was like they were asking, like, well, who are your other writers? And I, and I was really green about back then, too. I was like, well, I don't have any. What do you, what do you mean? Other writers? I was like, what? what are you talking about? This is the work, right? This is what this is my job. Mm-hmm. You're going to write all these? I'm like, well, yeah. Because <laughs> we were just so warmed up, you know? Right, right. And it still kind of worked out that way for me with the other stuff. You know, it was always the – every series I did, was I was the main – the main guy, yeah. We had help on Tinsylvania, and I think a couple of Mad Jacks got. But I was always writing the outlines of the story concepts were all mine. Right. Did, did you bring any? Day. Did you did you bring anybody in to kind of help with that? Because you know, uh, like, well, like when on, we got. To, well, are we going to go chronologically here, or how do you want to? Yeah, we should. But uh, okay, I'm. So, I'm but, yeah, good, good. I'm sorry. So no, there was no one else on Stuck as a Meat, and then. Um, then they had all these executive changes at Disney, and uh, and you know, Snooker's Me was not ever really a Disney show anyway. No, even though it was funny, they, so, they were more, they were more Warner Brothers than anything, but yeah, but but and, really crazy Warner Brothers, you know? Yeah, 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 a lot of, yeah, very free, you know? Yeah. So, um, all, yeah, like Gary Chrysler had left, and um, so I was kind of. Jeff and I were sort of sitting there wondering what to do. I still had like a bunch of time on my contract. So they were like, well, just develop some more ideas, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I pitched a bunch of crazy things and nothing ever went. Mm-hmm. And then I got a call again from Gary and he was at DreamWorks now. And he was like, can you and Jeff come over and work on this show? Tutsylvania. <laughs> like monsters. So I was like, Yes. <laughs> yes, I can do that. 
Because I was getting antsy. I was, I mean, I was really used to making stuff like back to back to back, you know, and you get warmed up like that. It's, taking a break is scary. Was Toonsylvania was right after Schnookums and Meat? So, yeah, there was about, there was some time that went by because I remember Jeff started working on another Disney show. I think he was working on, I don't want to say, was it DuckTales? Something like that. One of those. Or Darkwing so we Duck. were still in the same building, but right. I was working. I was. They asked me to just develop more random ideas that they could shoot down. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So I don't uh, think it was quite a year that went by, but there was a, enough time where Jeff was busy on this other show, and I was getting really frustrated. Right. So then the rescue call came from DreamWorks, and we jumped ship and wandered over there. We'd just go anywhere where anyone would give us a job. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, where well, we could do our own thing. Well, they're giving you, yeah, that's it. They're giving you, yeah. they're just basically saying, make your show and, uh, and here's money and, and with, have, yeah. and with you know, have a great time. There, there, there was a cat. The caveat was like, we, they were telling us they're like, look, we've been working on this show for like, I don't know, something like two years. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? Yeah. And, uh, since so they said there's a mountain of stuff and you got to come in and you and Jeff got to trim it down and clean it up and figure out what this show is about. Sure. Also, the other thing was working with Spielberg again, because I worked with him or I, I worked alongside him on the, on the Roger Rabbit shorts. Right. Right. And I, he was just great and a really nice guy and very, very smart mm-hmm. and creative. So that was exciting. To gonna be back back there seeing him again, right? Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, that was a mountain of stuff, and and uh, guys were work still working on things, and mm-hmm. it was kind of strange because we had to put the brakes on a lot of good ideas. But I mean, what do you do when you've got just a mountain, literally, of random ideas that weren't connected? Right. right. So our first task was to sit down and sort of clean that that up and break. And again, we're breaking it up into those all these different sequences. Sure. And then I brought in some writer help on that. Martin Olson, Steve Oaks uh, came in. I think we had uh, Doug Lawrence came in. Right. So, and that was kind of a relief, but I sort of hung on to the, to the ones that I liked the, the most, you know, sure. which is what you do. I mean, you write, you write the ones that are most natural to you. Yeah. The ones that was, appeal it, to it you. Was, it was good to have the help and, 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 um, and it was a big show. It was like, there was a lot going on there. Right. Interesting. So how long did that go on for Toonsylvania? Well, I had already. Okay. So during that time, now it's all coming back to me during that time. When I was getting ready to leave Disney, I had already made a deal with, with Margaret Lash because of her previous experience on Eek. Mm -hmm. And she knew I wanted out of Disney. So she offered me a, a deal that was in place or in the works while the Tunesylvania call came. Right. I was pitching Mad Jack to her. <laughs> and yeah. um, she's like, okay, I'll tell you, if you do this Tunesylvania thing for one season, then I will, I will green light Mad Jack and you can do that wow. with Jeff. Because wow. Jeff was very important to me to have on, as a partner. Well, he's, so, he's absolutely uh, creative dynamo. Oh, yeah. Guy. He's yeah. super funny. Yeah. And, um, you know, you get, you get used to that. I was really used to having another guy, you know, like Savage was, you know, and having sort of an ally partner who is funny and you can reciprocate back and forth. Sure. And, 
and Jeff and I were also roommates at CalArts, another CalArts. And so that's how that happened. So we, Jeff and I only did the one season. And then once that was done and it was up and run, running, I guess it was running. Right. <laughs> I think they did another season of it, but that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And that's another thing people always laugh about with me. They're like, how, have you, how did you do so many shows? I'm like, because most of them only last one season. <laughs> you know, apart from Eek, you know, that went on for a while. But even that, I was sort of just doing the voice at the end. I, I think I think the important thing to note here is that you know, most shows go one year. So it's basically, even if a show has longevity, even though you you don't know that when you're done at the end of the, the, yeah. the first year. So it's yeah. like now you're kind of thinking already, okay, I need another gig. Well, the, so, back then they would only give you like the 13 episodes. I don't know why that was the magic number, but that was always what it was. Yeah. And, and the, with Tasmania, though, because of the the deal with with Fox Kids and and the previous experience with Animaniacs, they they bought like 60 episodes. Right. Yeah, they did so, the strip. So, yeah. So that yeah. was a bad. That was a, in the. That's why they got so mad when I left. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, after that, like, I never got a deal like like a multi. Well, that's not true. Twisted Whiskers was like a two season thing. Right. Right. Most of them just went for one. But then we, then we got on to Mad Jack, and that was. I thought that Pith Possum and Tex were fun, but Mad Jack was absolutely the best time. Uh, just the most fun, you know. It right. was because we were all warmed up, and it was a really edgy show for Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just like it that 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 show had such a good soul, you know. Right. Who picked that up, Mad Jack? That was Fox. Right. That was Margaret. Wow. Okay. So she so so she so I had this deal with her right. So we right. did some idea, and then I jumped. Yeah, then we yeah. jumped onto Mad Jack, and then yeah, and then Haim Saban bought it. <laughs> Deke? No, Saban. Saban. Didn't he used to be? Didn't he used to be with Deke? Saban, or was that always a separate? Uh, I don't thing? remember. The first I ever heard of them was back on the Eek days when he did he he had licensed all the music for the Power Rangers or something. Right. I guess he made a little money on that. I don't know how. <laughs> and um, but uh, yeah, so then he bought Fox Kids, and um, oh, okay. The first thing he said was he's getting rid of all the funny shows. Wow, because he just didn't like. <laughs> it's it's and like actually, what Cartoon Jeffy Network I, does with uh, Scooby Doo now. Scooby Doo twenty four hours. Because, I never understood. Yeah. I I know, like I'm. I met Haim and we we had lunch on many occasions. I I flew with him on his private jet to uh, one of the cons in in New Orleans, and right. he never liked my deal because I had a really good deal. Right. Wow. And uh, I was like, I kept telling him, like, you know, we're still going. We're going to the back to the Philippines to get the second seasons up and running, and we just. We had we had our tickets and everything, and the studio paid for it. Right. And we were in the Philippines when he canceled the show, so that was like the saddest flight back from Manila. Yikes! Definitely. Now we really don't know what we're gonna do. Right. Hmm. The only good news there was he had to pay me for the five years or whatever it was. <laughs> I had a little cushion. Yeah, it's always good to have a little cushion. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, <laughs> then it was kind of weird. Oh, so that's when we went on to Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, Tales yeah. from the Crypt. Uh, 
how you know it it seems so no no no, that's not right okay it's not right right. well backtrack go ahead (laughs) okay no it was so it was eek and sugar the meat then the rest of it right and then tales of the crypt was stuck in there right after eek right after eek or something like that no after sugar the meat that's what happened and because that was 94 okay so so it was after Snookums and me. Then it was then it was Tales from the Crypt. Wait, or it's, yeah, something like that. It's it's, it's in there. So well, let's let's just talk about Tales from the Crypt because uh, it's one episode. God, I'm really freaked out. I, the time <laughs> chronology. Is well, you very had bizarre. you you're juggling shows. You're doing one show and you're juggling that up in the air, and then you had another show coming, another one, and it's like, uh, it yeah, you can't. You know, I, I can't keep it straight. I can't keep it straight. All the stuff that I was because I was freelancing, I was doing working in studio, I was doing all this other stuff. And people have corrected me in the past. They said, "No, no, no, you weren't there yet. You were, you know, you were somewhere else." And yeah. so, um, but let's talk. Let's talk about Tales from the Crypt. Let's just talk about that because it's a really fun, fun show. Well, I started that that idea of doing a, a, a horror thing um, as a special back when I was on. Um, Tasmania. Mm-hmm. Back then it was called Little Dead Riding Hood. Right, right. So I got to know um uh somebody at uh who knew Joel Silver. Mm-hmm. And then I met I met Joel's secretary. And I used to call her like every day at lunch to be like, Can I get in to pitch this thing? Right. I mean, this is like a year of, uh-huh. of persistent every day I would make this phone call. She used to laugh. He's like, oh, not today. I'll call call tomorrow. Maybe we'll figure it out. Right. But I was really persistent. And then that, the that word was, comes up a lot on this show. Persistence. Persistent. Yeah. yeah. In the, really in, in important. This industry. Yeah. yeah. You have to be persistent. Yeah. So um, finally, I got uh, a meeting with Joel. So this had to be like 93, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And so I went in and pitched it to him. And it's a really funny story. I actually made a book of it a couple of years ago, The Little Dead Story. Wow. So I pitched it to Joel, and, and he was like, um, I don't know, man. Uh, how about do you got everything with the, anything with those three pigs? You got that three? You can, how about that? You know, wouldn't that be funnier? <laughs> do you have a script that I just told, totally lied? And I said, Yeah, I've got a script. I can bring it in next week. And um, I wrote it like in four days. Wow. And then I sent it in and they approved it. Wow. Then we just went from there. We started storyboarding. I was still using my office at Fox. Wow. Can you, can you tell our audience a little bit about that episode? I I mean, just the idea he was producing tales from the crypt. He was producing that. What was it? Yeah. So yeah. he, so basically, he you sold him on the idea of an animated episode, which, yeah. I mean that it, it's so off the beaten path for that show to do a, an animated episode. Well, but, the 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 idea got put forward too by Topher Taylor, who who was running Nelvana. Yes, I, so I met him. Yeah. So, so and Eek was done at Nelvana, so there was kind of a, and he knew about this idea, and I guess he had some. So Topher kind of helped kick the door open. Oh. Even though I'd been persistently banging on it. Right, right. And um, so, but once it was approved, we just started storyboarding right away. 
So t- uh, tell our audience uh, the characters' names, because uh, this is the three pigs, but well, it's very unlike little, Disney. It's the three little pigs template, story template. And then we had um, Mr. Mr. Wolf, the bad old wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, we had the three little pigs in this version, known as Drinky, Smokey, and Dudley, the nice pig. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the two brothers are layabout deadbeat drunks. And... Um, <laughs> Do you want me to tell the story? No, you don't have to tell the story. Let's just say a dr- uh, 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 Drinky. Yeah. It's, it's Drinky and Smokey end up get, uh, uh, dying. And, yeah, they uh, get and, killed by the wolf. In a very... Gore, gore, very in a really gory murder. Very gory, funny way. Right. And Dudley <laughs> bring, brings them back to life with the aid of you know, the, the old Frankenstein book or whatever he found that. And uh, he succeeds in creating this zombie pig and he wants to unleash it on the, on the wolf for revenge. Wow. And it doesn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. And he ends up getting eaten by the crazy wolf. Nobody wins. Nobody wins. You know? there you go. But it was, it was no happy ending. Gore, you know, <laughs> I think it's the bloodiest cartoon ever made. I, I believe it is, but it's, maybe apart from some anime that I don't know about, but it's uh it's gory, but it's done in a very humorous way. Yeah, it's yeah. like the Black Knight kind of thing was in Holy Grail. You know, it's like that that level of absurdity. Yes, yes, very very well. I remember seeing it and being disturbed and enjoying it all at the same time. Oh yeah, laughing. But yeah, yeah, but the gore is so is done in such a cartoony way. It's drawn so funny and stupid. Yeah, you have to laugh. It's re- it's repellent, but it's, you're <laughs> laughing at the same time. So that's a good trick, right there. It is a good trick. So after yeah. after that, what'd you move on to? How was the reaction to that when people saw this thing? Was there? Oh, people loved it. They still love it. It's one of their. It was the final episode. It was the thirteenth show of the thirteenth season. Wow, that's what I've heard. Wow. And, um, but I, when people find out that I did that, they're like freak out, like at conventions. They're like, "Oh my god!" And and now they say, "Like I saw that when I, you know, grown men will say, like, I saw that when I was eight and freaked the shit out of me." And that always makes me feel it's like you saw it when you were eight. Oh my god, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a cartoon, so you know, parents let them watch. It, yeah. yeah. But it just makes, you know, it's like, wow, you were eight, and I was like already forty. Oh, okay. Or whatever I was. Um, so what 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 happened? What? So wait, so after that, yeah, okay, then it turned into because um, Mad Jack came after that. Okay. So yeah, so Sugar's Meat, uh, um, Eek, and then and then in there somehow Tales of the Crypt, and then onto Mad Mad Jack and whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 it is hard to keep track of this stuff. I'll tell you. I gotta sometimes look at the resume and see. Oh yeah, I've yeah. I've forgotten things I've worked on. I I saw a storyboard I did and I was giggling at the storyboard because it was so stupid, and I was like, oh wait a minute, I did this. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like you were saying, you did a couple of schnickels and meats. Yeah. Yeah, good ones. Oh, thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. The- that I, I put a lot of poodles. I used to torture poodles in my cartoons because my parents always had poodles, and they're always the worst kind of dog you could ever. Uh, you know, very yappy. They're very yappy just, dogs. Yeah, and then, strung. then they get old and gross, and they look like they look like <laughs> the crib keeper, you know. <laughs> yeah, they're probably, they're all, ah, it's like, come yeah. on, you're 15. That's right. 
Con, con quits, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, Poodle showed up in Mad Jack. Poodle showed up in Sugars of Meat. They show up everywhere. Well, yeah, yeah because you, you have a thing for it. Well, they're supposed to be so adorable and cute. And yeah. They're actually, really awful personalities. They're, they're just bad dogs. Yeah, they can't. Sorry to all you poodle lovers out there. Yeah, sorry about that. Experience talking. I love the poodles, but hey. I have a, I had a sheep. I, think, I guess when they're when they're cute puppies, you know, they're fine at that stage. But once they get to be like seventy, <laughs> still not dead. Not 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 in dog years when they get to be seventy years old. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They they get they actually get brown. You notice that? They go from yeah, that get, that yeah, light. Or if they're if they're like ours are always black, and then they get this weird gray. You know, but it wasn't like, you know, um, you know, uh, like handsome. It was like, you know, just spots of gray, you know, like it was decaying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like somebody put it in the fridge for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah like it's spoiling. <laughs> <laughs> Mold. Mold is growing on the, the poodle. Uh, <laughs> so what, ha- what happened after uh, Tales from the Crypt? Because that was just a, that was a one off. Did you did you take that production? You you said you went to New Zealand, right? Yeah, we went to New Zealand to animate it in uh, the same place where uh, they did Tex, and they were they worked on a lot of Disney stuff. Right, some really I mean they were great animators. Mm-hmm. So when we got there with Tales from the Crypt, they had just finished working on something for Disney, probably a DVD back then. Sure, but the animation was still really good it was feature quality animation right and when they started animating on i remember the first scenes i would get back from the guys and be like they bring me this stack of drawings for one shot and like you got like 80 more drawings here than you need for this so i remember just pulling drawings because they were so used to animating the shit out of everything sure that when when we showed up and we were like no 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 this is this is basically limited animation Right. So it took them a minute to, you know, but that was it. You don't need this. You don't need that. You don't need this. This, 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 boom. It's like he sees them and wham, you know, you pop the pose and all that stuff. So it took them a minute to to get used to thinking that way. Show them some of the uh, later Chuck Jones cartoons. Uh, I'm talking about like the late 50s where, well, you know, you get a good pose. Like um, of Ward Kimball stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where one element ran, an, is animating really well, but the rest is just like a held cell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, things like that, little tricks like that. It's still it's difficult animation just because there's fewer drawings doesn't mean it's any easier to to get the animation right. Well, you got to figure it out. You yeah, got to figure yeah, it out, and then you got to imagine how that's going to work, and then you yeah. got, then you got to execute it. And then yeah. that that kind of limited animation is very specialized timing. You know, right? You know. It's not just all on twos. It's like, that's on four. This is held for 13 and not 12, 13, you know? Right, right. And like that. So yeah, there's an, there's an art to good limited animation. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it, man. It's, it's yeah. actually, in a lot of ways, it's trickier. Yeah. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to be fluid, you know, well, you've got physics there that uh, are, will say that you're right or wrong with all that goes out the window when you're doing, when you're doing limited stuff. Because right. you're inventing that, really. Yeah, yeah. So it's a different kind of timing, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I've learned that. 
you know, that just because it's flailing around the screen, it's moving. Hey, it's moving, yeah. you know, and it starts looking like a blob after a while. Because well, it's not... exactly. There is a, <laughs> such a thing as over animating something, you know, you can uh, a lot of stuff. Is, oof, you know, yeah, it yeah. loses it loses a snap, you know, it loses yeah. the uh, sharpness, the uh, yeah. dynamic posing. Yeah, it, loses, it, it loses yeah. its timing because everything's so yeah fluid. fluid even in flowy that it's like okay it gets boring yeah i mean i don't move like that <laughs> i don't need i don't either you know <laughs> maybe if i was falling off a building that might that might be pretty smooth it probably would be except for that last frame yeah <laughs> for me if i did that the whole ground would you know it'd be like an earthquake so then you well then there you go that's coyote style right there <laughs> yeah so yeah, I'm trying to think of um I think that began a period of uh more de- like development then it was probably I think I had some a deal at Warner's where I was working and developing some stuff and then um none of that was going anywhere and then the Tom and Jerry movies came along. Right. Like 2004. Right. I think it was somewhere in there. So there were a couple of years where not much was happening. So were you were you were doing you were doing the voice of Tom on some of those things, right? The, yeah, I was screaming and and taking a sag check. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't Tom didn't talk in mine. He just screamed, you know. Right. Because I was I was going old school. I didn't like the the Tom and Jerry's where they sang and spoke and all that. So right. we were go we were going back to the the traditional you know way of slapstick. Right. Right. So, were you were you working on those as well? Were you like? Uh, yeah, just... I wrote them. Um, mm-hmm. I think I wrote one, and then it took a little while, and they said okay. And then during the production of Blast Off to Mars, mm-hmm. uh, I they had me write another one while I was directing that one. Right. That was hard to do. Yeah. Because uh, you know I had a rough story for the Fast and Furry one, mm-hmm. very rough. Right. But there was so much going on with that first movie. I mean, it was a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So w- working on another story, I, I remember that being a really difficult writing process. Um, right. Because there were so many interruptions. Usually that didn't bother me, but right. uh, on this one. Was, were, you, were you visually writing or just type, you know, just type? Oh, no, we were it? writing, writing, yeah. Right. It's hard to do that for Tom and Jerry because um, you you got to visualize it and then – you got to kind of put that down uh, and leave some room. I kind room. of figured out a way of writing uh, for visual, cartoon visuals. I, I sort of developed a little mini language of how things work because I was writing all the time for storyboard artists, mm-hmm. not for people who are reading a narrative. Right. So they, my scripts were very, very uh, easy to for a storyboard guy to understand. Oh, good. So it was really written more in a sort of a shorthand mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that a board artist could go, oh, okay, yeah. I get it. That's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty But nice. you had to write it that way because it had to get approved by the executives who were not cartoonists. So there was a way of like talk, I'm talking to the storyboard guy and they're talking to an executive. But something right. had to be on paper for them to approve it. So it had to be written. Right. I, I, we could have done it easily without a script, I think. Right, right. I just done it on the boards, you know, as we went along. There was there would have still been a little outline, but sure. 
you know, 75 minutes of animation is you got to write something down. <laughs> so, you do. And it's a lot of gags to put into a, a I mean, yeah. obviously it has to have a narrative, but. Um, Not much of one. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, uh, no, you're it's, right, you're right. it's a thin making... story holding the the gags together or maybe the gags yeah. are the oh, glue yeah, holding yeah. it together. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, no, there is. There's um, There has to be a spine to it. Right. But, um, you know, it was a lot of those were a lot of fun because that was sort of, you know, we put everybody, everybody put their boards up in the big room. Mm-hmm. And we'd all go through kind of old, old school style. And that was really fun. That was wow. refreshing. So you sat in on those. You didn't do any storyboards on that, though. But... Well, I was all over that thing. I yeah. mean, I wrote it and I was directing it. So, right. I didn't, you know, the hardest part about that was they initially, um, how do we break it up? They wanted to have like, you know, three guys and each guy doesn't act. And yeah. then they still wanted it done in like three months. I'm like, there, there's no way that's, that's going to work for 75 minutes of animation. You're insane. Yeah. So I said, I, you know, three guys on each act. And then everybody had like, I don't know. Still wasn't very much time, like maybe two months, two yeah. and a half months, something like that. Mm-hmm. So three guys would break up you know, whatever, 30 pages. Sure. 25 pages. Well, it, was, it made it a little easier, but there's a, then there's a lot of planes flying around, you know, at the same time. Because sure. all the acts are being done at the same time. Right. So you're jumping around. It was a little crazy. We still got it done. Yeah. Well, you're, you know, you're just approving. You're just getting one act in and then getting all these storyboards in and saying, no, we got to do this, got to do that. And, and yeah. send them back and have them clean it was pretty up. we had a pretty good s- structure to it so i knew where to put the right people like mm-hmm. you know I, pat was on there right so i knew that that's a gag guy so give him that that kind of thing i had kyle Mankey, he's a big great action guy so i had him do the big climax on that one sure so a lot of it too is casting your guys your storyboard guys like as to what their their skills are you know yeah the strengths yeah. yeah. Wow. Some guys are really good with the guys who are really good with acting, you know, don't are big on action. They're more expression guys on characters. You sure. Know? Yeah. It's like action. the way Disney casts his animators for his features. Yeah. Films. Yeah. You give them the stuff they're what they gravitate to. Yeah. Like Ward Kimball got the very funny, wacky stuff. And then they would give Frank Thomas <laughs> right. the heavy acting, you know. And then Milt yeah. Call would get the, the uh, hard to draw stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah, and then Bill or Tightla would get like the big guys, you know. Yeah, Stromboli, Stromboli, yeah. or the Devil, or and the Devil, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Stromboli, yeah. Uh, what? So when you finished up on these Tom and Jerry, how many Tom and Jerry's did you do? The Tom and Jerry, I did two back to back. Those were also back to back, right? And then I had written a haunted house one that never got never got approved, never got made. It got approved, but it didn't get made, right? Um, they're afraid they're going to scare the kitties, or <laughs> no? I don't. I don't know what was going on there um, because I know that they did other. I know subsequently there were other Tom and Jerry's that were made mm-hmm. um, after that, but um, there was sort of a halt on production in that regard for a minute, and they were just they you know they're not going to keep everybody. God forbid they keep everybody employed. Right. Right. During the, the lulls, but 
Yeah, I, now I'm trying to think of what was after that. Maybe maybe they were trying to figure out like uh maybe the maybe the films weren't released yet because they went right right to DVD. They weren't released theatrically. No, they were right to DVD. Yeah. They were always they were always intended for that. Right. Maybe they were waiting to see how they did or I don't know. Sometimes they sometimes they pull I mean, back and they, they and wait. also again a lot of pe- a lot of uh there was a lot of management changes mm-hmm. that happened. Right. Um, during that too, and that always slows things down, you know, when executrons move on to greener pastures, <laughs> hopefully greener. Right, right. I don't know. But now I'm thinking like, then there was, so that had to end like around, I think it was somewhere around 2006, Margaret called me and Savage up. Right. And started talking to, um, American Greetings about their Twisted Whiskers show. Oh, okay. They had those greeting cards with the bug-eyed animals. Yes. They were really bizarre looking. Wow. And uh, so Margaret just thought it would be great if me and Savage got together. And it was for a while. Mm-hmm. But he was so busy doing live action stuff. He, was, he wasn't able to devote the time. So we worked together on doing about I think we we did like a half a dozen shorts that were really funny, right? Featuring these animals, <laughs> and um, and then uh, then they went ahead and made this deal and um, for two seasons, and then Savage left, mm-hmm. and um, I just directed all of them wow. and wrote most of them. So that went on. That was a hard show to do. We got a lot of interference from one of the things I begged the guy, the American Greetings. I was like, okay, if we do this, you gotta let us do it. You know, and they were like, Oh yeah, I don't, we're gonna stay out of your way. And they're totally did not stay out of our way. Right. It's still so out of the uh, I don't know how many cartoons we made, 50, something like that. Sure. There's about 25 really good ones. Right. Which is pretty good. Yeah. No, that's great. So when you're done with that, it they just that that was it. You just did those cartoons, and then you moved on to the next thing. Oh, but we were aching for more because we finally got it figured out. Right. And um, then that was 2008. So the big economic crash happened. That's right. I don't know why it stopped the cartoons, but it did. Well, it stopped yeah. everything. It Even stopped Margaret everything. was like willing to use the hub, you know to help pay, uh, you know, to supplement the production. Right. Cause we were just starting to get really funny with it. Sure. And then, you know, and then I don't know what kind of problems the hub had later, but they, they, th- that series just kind of disappeared. You know, mm. I guess there's some fans out there right I hear from now and then, but it's too bad because there were some couple of really good characters that were really funny. Yeah. Again, we had a blast making it, you know, Well, that's good. We had more fun than anybody else. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so you had you had the crash happen, and then what happened? Just everything kind of died for a little while, or? Well, I think then it did. It really did. Um, gosh, you know, after two thousand seven, there were like. I did a lot of writing on my own. I was trying to work on a few ideas. Part Dumb Bunny too mm-hmm. popped up. Um, you know, I, I wrote a bunch of stuff that uh, I just really hadn't done anything with. Then I got around 
So like I like I'm talking about like like two or three years went by, you know. Yeah. And um yeah, then I got stretch. a deal with Wild Brain. Um uh, my old one of my old bosses from Warner Brothers had a deal there. Mm-hmm. And I pitched him this really crazy live action stop motion uh B movie sci-fi thing called Earth versus Everything. Right. <laughs> And I had the Kyoto brothers animating on it, you know, with their gang. Right. Uh, I feel like I'm just running through my really boring resume. I hope this is interesting. No, no, no. It's very interesting. No, don't. uh, No, it's very interesting because you worked on a lot of great stuff, you know. And pe- people well, are interested in hearing it. I'm interested in hearing it. Earth versus everything was great. I'll probably put the short out one of these years. But it was really fun to make. So we did like a 20-minute short. They gave us like a, we had enough money to to make a really cool short film. And we had stop motion animation in it and all that. Wow. And then the hub was interested in picking it up as a series. Right. And that was like, oh my God, live action with animation. This is gonna be so cool. Right. And then the hub evaporated. Wow. I, I was famous for like getting projects that would just start to take off and then like somebody would buy the company <laughs> that's what happened wild brain got bought oh okay by some canadian company but i but then margaret was still interested in it and i had the i could still do something but it was in my contract that i could still work with it right and then the hub exploded wow and then i think after that i i wrote a woody woodpecker feature for universal this is like <laughs> 2014 <laughs> right and then uh, that didn't get made. It was a funny script too. Wow. Better than any of the other. I saw that pieces of that one Woody movie. They made. Oh God, it was terrible. <laughs> no offense. I know it's not your fault, animators. <laughs> it's it's never their fault. It's always yeah. somebody else. It's always somebody else. And then it just went into this the dark time. I think around um, 2016, I got a deal with DreamWorks. Right. Um, Christophia had wound up in place of Jeffrey Katzenberg, mm-hmm. and he was an old buddy from Warner Bros. I was like, oh my God, this is great. Right. So he gave me, uh, they had an outline for a feature that they wanted to punch up. And um, so I made a deal with DreamWorks, and they were like, yeah, you know, if this thing works, you, you can direct it, and that'd be great. So I'm really excited, and the story was great. It involved all kinds of different styles of animation. It was really cool. Sure. I loved it. And then DreamWorks got bought by Universal. And there you go. <laughs> this would always happen to me. I'd have this great thing, and then I, I would just walk right into a landmine. Yeah. That, that, that happens a lot. Everything explodes. And then I got like a phone call from them. They're like, yeah, it was great stuff, man. No, we're not doing it. <laughs> it was like, I was like, wait a minute, is there a story problem? Or it's like, no, no, it's nothing like that. It's right. not, you know. No, that... that was like, that one really got under my skin. Right. Then I did my book, Little Dead Riding Hood. Mm-hmm. Kind of make myself feel better. Sure. And then, and now we're catching up to almost current times. Present day. So Present day Bill Cop. We got yes. a call from Activision. Mm-hmm. And they were with another little animation guy that we like, and they wanted to do Crash Bandicoot oh, as a series, okay. but full on, big time, really good animation, everything we want. Right. So I brought Kyle Carosa in on that. Oh, okay. And um, and Jeff DeGrandis too. 
Yeah. And um, we worked for like a year. We had test animation done that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. The stories were really funny. It had it was going to be a really outrageous show. It had fake commercials in it and all this great stuff. Sure. And um, we were we now now the pandemic's hit, but we're still pitching. We're pitching through uh, 2020. How does that, that how does that happen when you pitch a show during the pandemic when nobody's well the Bible was so thorough that we just had to cut down to visual so it was really it was a really fun pitch because there was so much visual um, entertainment so you weren't just sitting there looking at a bunch of talking heads there was images happening you know sure. on, on your screen right so and it was really a really funny take on that whole universe right and. Uh, you know, they wanted it to be more adult, which is great. And uh, but the adult it, it wasn't adult for enough for like effects and Hulu and places like that. Sure. So you know, without having to really change anything, we sort of emphasized the the the, the more kid humor aspect of it. Right. And then we started getting some good, real good feedback, and then we sold it to Amazon. Wow. And we were ready to go. So this is like right around Christmas time of mm-hmm. 20, 2020. So Christmas 2020. Okay. And then right after Christmas, I get an email or whatever they told me. An email. And they're like, yeah, Activision's pulling out. You know, they wow. don't want to do it anymore. Wow. Just like that. And I was like, that's it. Yeah. I had enough of this. Gosh darn it. No, it was, those weren't <laughs> the words I used. Right. And uh, I said, I got to figure a way out to make these cartoons because I like making cartoons and I feel like, like an asshole. I'm going up meeting with all these people. And I had a quote, I think, in Cartoon Brew which put really well. It's like it's like being a painter, but the canvas that you need to paint on costs $8 million. Yeah. And so, it's, you know, and people kept telling me all through the course of the, the, the crack, because that was still a traditional – you know, all of Little Dead is done hand inked, painted. You know, sure. I didn't have a Cintiq or anything. Right. So I did get a nice little bonus when they canceled the the crash thing. So I just I just bought a superhuman computer and a Cintiq, and I just went to school on yeah. how to do this stuff. I had to figure out, you know, and I know a bunch of animators, so everybody's telling me to use this program, use that program. And, ah, right. Everybody and, has and a favorite, way. you know. Yeah, yeah, and I was really concerned about being able to keep the drawing style, you know, and I didn't know how to do that, mm-hmm. uh, who, which program is best or what. So it took me about nine months of, um, of pretty much since I started my, with my Cintiq in February of 21. Right. I, I get, I start. I selected character animator as the program of choice. Besides with all that Adobe stuff it, it comes with is great. Sure. So I subscribed to that, and then I just started watching YouTube tutorials and figuring it out. It took me – I thought I was going to lose my mind for about six months. And then it was like one day it just kind of clicked. It's like, oh, now I see how – okay. Yeah. That took took until about March of this year, and that's when I started the first Dumb Bunny cartoon. Yeah. So basically you just got sick of development development hell. Yeah, yeah. Which this, yeah. I, I was saying to Gene Ham, he should make a movie called Development Hell. No so, one would go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, it'll never get made. That's one right. thing. Or they'd make it and people are just leaving the middle of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Right when the good part was starting. 
<laughs> right? They get up and walk away. Right. right. But no, that it was like there's got to be a way. I mean, you know, I know there's a way to put the power back in the hands of a of a guy like me. Who's, all I want to do is make cartoons. That's it. You yeah. know, that's all we that's want. My, that's all any cartoonist wants to do. You know. So now, now that this thing, you know, and there's a million, oh man, you know. I'm still learning a lot. There's still a lot I don't know, but every time I sit down or there's an update, you know, it's like, oh my God, this is, well, they're making it even better. It's even cooler. And and you can get away with, you can be, get as elaborate as you want with it. Sure. You can really make cool shit. But, you know, the idea was like, okay, I'm I'm just going to use it right now for Dumb Bunny. It just as a, and really I was looking at Roger Ramjets. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And that, that, that tone of humor and, and Rocky and Bowling. I just sort of went back to this is doable. Mm-hmm. And the first one, you know, and I was like, I know how to do every job there is in animation from the writing to the finished thing. So I'm just going to sit down and do this. I was shocked. The first dumb money cartoon, they all took about five weeks from script to finished, finished product. Wow. So the first one's a little rough, but the second, the, the third, the two, three, and four, they get better. They're about the same caliber. Four, the thankfully the fourth one is the funniest, so it's getting better. And then, um, so I'm I'm ready to. I haven't showed them to anybody except a few close friends. Right. And I just can't believe it. Like this thing. I mean, what used to take literally months to do. I'm mm-hmm. doing in a 10 minute cartoon in five weeks. Are you kidding? And it's funny, and it's what I want to see. So I don't know, man. And you know, even if I had a crew of like, let's say I don't need any more than 10 people mm-hmm. total. Right. That's probably including actors. <laughs> Everybody could get paid top dollar right. on a union scale. Mm-hmm. And I could still do this thing for like a tenth of what it would cost to make an animated half hour at a regular studio. Right. And still everybody gets paid great. Yeah. It's amazing, right? It is amazing. So now we'll see what happens, you know? Yeah. And I've got some people, you know, we're talking to a couple of people very too early to even say, you know, what's up. So the premiere is going to be December 3rd at the LA Comic Con. Very cool. Um, and then we'll see what happens. But either way, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'm still going to make them, you know? Yeah. And I'll, maybe I can sell them as a whole package. If, I, if, if I'd like if somebody came in for the second you know, half, like to come in for like do eight more half hours. So 16 more cartoons. Right. And then, and then part of that having a deal for distribution, because that's what we really need. And everybody's like, well, you know, if you pitch it three times in this town, you're done. And everybody seems to forget about the other nine tenths of the globe out there. That's right. That's right. Well, Hey, I, I think it's I think it's wonderful. I think that's the way it should go anyway, because the tools are there where you can actually produce a cartoon, and you could produce it any way you want to produce it. You make that's it bare exactly bones. You I can, yeah, that kind of humor, and right. they're kind of gross and stupid, but they're lovable somehow. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, the, the cartoons are not short enough to where you're, you know, the, they don't have a chance to get boring. Yeah, yeah, it would be easy to expand these into a twenty minute sure. episode. But it's kind of fun just banging them out like at ten minutes, you know. Are they ten minutes each, or are they how long yeah. are they each? Ten minutes. About 10, ten minutes each. Wow, wow. So I've already got forty minutes of animation. Pretty cool. 
done. And the only reason I don't have the fifth one done right now is because, you know, Comic-Con and everything else, we got side, I was making trailers and promos and sure. different poster art and stuff like that. Wow. Very neat. Um, very neat, Bill. Yeah. Well, I, I give you a lot of credit for doing that because, uh, I had to go to school on it. Well, you <laughs> it know, that's out of pure frustration and aggravation. And, you know, <laughs> you know I'm going to make these things and I'm sick and tired yeah. of having people say no. No. Yeah. And what do they know anyway? Nothing. You know, how many shows have been on the air that just get canceled within like three weeks? You know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's been a bunch. Yeah. And, and I mean, and, and they're anybody that yeah. wants to make anything. Like I just heard some news from Cartoon Network. They're like, we're not taking on anything new, mm -hmm. but if you got any ideas about, you know, reusing old stuff, I mean, it's like, God, man, really? Yeah. Nobody wants to make anything new because they're too, because they, they don't know, you know? They don't know. They're scared. Well, they're scared. Now, you know, everybody's afraid of their job. Me, I yeah. could take your, 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 your $1 million half hour and do it for 50 grand, you know? Yeah. I'm well, serious. Like, well, that's maybe that's the way, maybe that's the way it should be approached. Like, you know, well, I will, you know, I want to own half of it. You know, I own half yeah. of it. We produce it for this amount. And that's yeah, exactly it. do it like that. Yeah. Um, the only thing I want to hang, I just want to hang on to the rights of the characters. Cause that was something I always had to give away. Right. You know, so, but there's a way you can work stuff out and we do it together, whoever it is. You sure. Know? Well, I think the key to that is you, you try to self-distribute it you, wherever you're going to put it. You try to do it that way. And then hopefully it builds up a following where they see that, you know, a million people are looking at it or half a million people are looking at it. And then you have, you have some weight when you go in and negotiate. Yeah. You know? I really don't know what's going to happen. I mean, there are some friends and people that I love and trust that are interested. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but you know, we'll see. The other thing is, you know, like one of somebody said to me, they're like, well, you know, if you pitch it and nobody takes it, then, you know, then you're stuck, you know, with these cartoons. Like, what do you mean stuck? Stuck with these cartoons. If I were just a painter, I would be painting anyway. You know? Right. I mean, I'm an animator, so I'm not going to be stuck with anything. No, you know? you're doing it because you want to do it. Yeah. And so, you know. And you if it turns out that I have 10 half hours, 20 cartoons, that's a whole little package that somebody's bound to like, you know. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. They're good. It's, they're funny. You know, they're wow. genuinely funny. I can't wait to see them. And I, I think the audience here can't wait to see them either. When, when are they going to be able to see them? I know you're going to uh, well, premiere gonna, Motor Comics. There's some trailers. I can send you some artwork and stuff if you want. Sure. Um, just see if you, if you want to post it on your. Oh, absolutely. Page. Absolutely. And then there's a trailer that got circulated. There's, there's a bunch of them, but so, some of them we're holding on to because we just don't know where, where, where we're going to wind up. Right. And as far as releasing them, we, we're not putting anything, any full cartoons out because we're going to be talking to people hopefully early in the year. And then we don't want to say that, Oh, well, this one's already out. You know, we want it all to be unreleased. The trailers are a different story, Sure. but whole, whole cartoons we're, we're sitting on all right. until we know more, you know, Okay. Well, I, I, you know, I'm sure the audience here is going to be excited to see them. So I hope so. Yeah. Me too. Uh, no. <laughs> stay tuned. Absolutely. Um, Bill, th yeah. thank you. Thank you for coming on here. Really. Oh, my pleasure, man. You're a phenomenal talent and you should. Oh, well, thanks, man. Uh, it's good talking to you. Yeah. No, I've only, I've only worked on that one show with you, but, uh, but I really, I love the humor. 
I love the humor, and uh, you know, I, I can't wait to see this stuff that you're doing. So, well, I'll send you a title card from Dumb Bunny. Yeah, yeah, please do. Please okay, do. Bill, thanks again. Okay, man. This was fun. Do you have any questions or comments about the podcast? Please email Brian at cartoonerific.com. Your email may be featured in one of our future shows. It was a pleasure having Bill Cop on today on the Cartoonerific podcast. We're looking forward to seeing Dumb Bunny and Jackass in the future, so stay tuned for that. Next week on the Cartoonerific podcast, our special guest will be John Over. He is an Emmy Award-winning producer and director. He worked on Animaniacs and Tiny Toons, helped develop Disney and ABC's One Saturday Morning, and he was producer-director of Clifford the Big Red Dog and Jaker's The Adventures of Pigglywinks. He'll be on next Thursday on the Cartoonerific podcast, so please come back for that. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe, and more than that, please, please, Tell a friend. Tell everybody about the Cartoonerific podcast, please. Uh, it helps us out. So anyway, uh, we have the company store open, and we also have the Animation Art Gallery. If you want to help support us, you can do so by purchasing something from one of those stores. Anyway, just want to wish you and yours a very happy Thanksgiving Day. Hope you have a wonderful one. And we'll see you all next week on the Cartoonerific podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This has been a Cartoonerific Studios presentation. The Cartoonerific Podcast is copyright 2024 by Cartoonerific Studios Incorporated. All rights reserved.